My name is Greg Jackson. I'm a PhD holding historian, a professor, and the creator of History That Doesn't Suck, a podcast that makes legit, seriously researched American history come to life through entertaining stories. Join me for a chronological telling of the United States story, from the revolution to fractious civil war, tenacious inventors, brave reformers, and more. With more than 100 episodes, you can already binge listen your way from 1776 to the early 20th century. Listen to History That Doesn't Suck on Spotify. In 1330 BCE, give or take, the pharaoh of Egypt, Keper Keperu Ra, the god's father Ai, journeyed to the west. The king was dead, and his power went with him. Now, there may have been a crisis. This tale contains far more speculation than usual. The gap between Ai's death and the ascent of a new pharaoh is frustrating. What happened, and who was involved, is still a matter of debate among historians. What follows is my attempt to put this all together. But I must emphasize, this is one viewpoint, and it involves a lot of conjecture. Hello, and welcome back to the History of Egypt podcast. Episode 160, Succession Crisis? Today, something is rotten in the state of Egypt. King Ai was dead, and the thrones were up for grabs. Soon, power would shift to new hands, but before it could, there was possibly a challenge to resolve. It is an intriguing moment. This chapter comes as an offering given by Tito, Moby, and Martin M., These fine folks made donations to the show, for which I am most grateful. As we farewell King I and all the puns that came with him, I am indebted to your generosity. May the great god of growing, Min, bless your fields, your gardens, and bring you prosperity. To everyone listening, welcome to the show. Come, let's explore a curious tale. In Luxor, Egypt, the archaeological museum holds many wonders. Here, you will find magnificent art from the New Kingdom, like the 18th dynasty, and later, statues of Akhenaten, Hatshepsut, Tutmos III. The great names are all here. You will even see mummies belonging to famous rulers, King Amosa, who established Dynasty 18, and Ramesses I, who established Dynasty 19. Also, you will find relics of non-royal people, individuals who left their mark on communities, eras, and histories. In these galleries, you will find a man whose story is quite intriguing. Walking through the museum, go past the mummy gallery, where Amosa and Ramesses lie in state. Turn right towards the ramp leading to the second floor. But before you ascend that ramp, Pause for a moment. A display case on your right contains a statue. Well, part of a statue. You will see the head of a male. It is carved from beautiful stone with delicate features and details. The man has long hair, almond-shaped eyes, and he carries a feather, a fan, over his shoulder. His gaze is calm. He watches the tourists who pass by. They often don't notice him. 
At a glance, this statue, this man, might seem unremarkable. But look closer, and you will see an object of great interest. It shows a man with long hair. His cheeks are finely modelled and smoothly polished. The eyes are delicately carved, and they turn down slightly at the outer edge. The man's eyebrows are thick, tapering to a point at the outer ends. The statue is beautiful. Ten out of ten. The man appears contemplative, maybe pensive. His eyelids seem heavy, as if the owner was a bit sleepy. Maybe I'm imagining that, but the face is peaceful, which is at odds with the statue's condition. Tourists often miss this piece, or take a quick look and then move on. Understandable, the statue is broken. The man's face is badly damaged. There are chunks missing from his mouth, nose, ears, and chin. The eyes are chipped and scratched, and the body is entirely gone. You could easily mistake this for just another relic, damaged by time. But not quite. This one is different. The statue belongs to a man called Nakt Min. He was a military commander and a high official in the days of Tutankhamun and Ai. Nakt Min, or the god Min is strong, hasn't shown up in our story before, but his tale is important, because someone tried to destroy him. Nakt Min's statue in the Luxor Museum is terribly damaged. The eyes, ears, nose, mouth, and chin are all chipped and broken. At first glance, it may seem accidental, the normal damage that statues pick up over the centuries. But if we look closer, we can see it is anything but. The damage is targeted and specific. Most of the image, the hair, the cheeks, the neck, the fan, those are all intact. Only the main features have suffered. If the destruction was accidental, we would expect more damage overall, a general wear and tear vibe on the whole statue. Instead, we have damage that is targeted. Clearly, someone did this on purpose. Why? What was so special about this man? To answer that, we must go back, way back. Back to the reign of Tutankhamun. Specifically, Tutankhamun's death and burial in the Valley of the Kings. It is time for a flashback. Let's begin. In 1334 BCE, give or take, King Tutankhamun went to his grave. Following an unexpected and untimely death, the 19-year-old boy king received his last rites. That ceremony, that funeral, was organised and managed by I, the man who gained power following Tutankhamun's death. We see King Ai in Tutankhamun's tomb. In a rare instance of two kings in one burial, we see Ai officiating for the mummy of Tutankhamun. Nakt Min was also present at Tutankhamun's funeral. We know that because he donated objects to the burial. Nakt Min gave Tutankhamun Shabtis. Shabtis, or Ushabtis, are the small statues in the shape of people. They are designed to awake in the next world, and help the deceased with work and business. Tutankhamun had many Shabtis, but some of them were gifts, donations from his servants. Nakt Min gave Tutankhamun five Shabti figures. They are beautiful. You've probably seen photos of these Shabtis without realising it. 
The figures donated by Nachtmen are wood, with gold details and decoration. They show Tutankhamun as a mummy, and holding the crook and flail. The Shabtis are quite similar, but they vary by their crowns. Each figure has a different headdress for the king. One Shabti wears the blue crown, the Kaprish. Two of them wear a headdress, the Nemes. And another two have wigs, short curly hair framing their faces. So the Shabtis are mostly identical, with a few variations. And on their bodies, these Shabtis have hieroglyphs. Short texts recording Nachtman's gift. It is here that we start to learn about this man. The Shabtis give a set of titles, the titles that Nachtmen probably held during the reign of Tutankhamun. The titles are Overseer of the Troops, Imira Mesha, Fanbearer on the Right of the King, Chai Hu Her Wenemi En Nesut, and King's Scribe, Sesh Nesut. So we have the basics of his job. He was a member of the court and a leader of Egypt's armed forces, quote-unquote. The titles are simple, they don't tell us much. Fortunately, there are a few more hieroglyphs, and these give a sense of Nachtman's relationship with Tutankhamun. On the bodies of the Shabtis, further texts describe the official serving his king. Quote, Made by the servant, beloved of his lord, the overseer of troops, Nachtmen, or made by the true servant, one who is effective for his lord, the king's scribe, Nachtmen, and finally, made by the servant, the one who causes the name of his lord to live, the overseer of troops, Nachtmen. End quote. The texts suggest a relationship between Tutankhamun, either a personal, political, or friendly relationship. Granted, that is speculative. Phrases like beloved of the king are generic. They could indicate genuine friendship or simply high esteem in the court. So we take them with a grain of salt. The point is, Nachtman donated Shabtis to the burial of Tutankhamun, which means that he was high status and he was present at the funeral. A couple other officials also donated items to this burial, and we'll meet them later. But do you know who doesn't show up in Tutankhamun's treasures? Which high official is curiously absent? If you guessed Horemheb, you would be right. The king's deputy, the leader of Tutankhamun's government, and the commander of the army, Horemheb is totally unrecorded in the treasures or art of Tutankhamun's burial. We have images of King Ai on the walls, Shabtis from Nachtmen, and items from a couple other officials. But Horemheb, the supreme figure in the government, is absent. That seems strange. Why would he be absent when a figure like Nachtmin is present? Well, perhaps Horemheb was absent because King Ai excluded him. Perhaps, given the opportunity, King Ai chose to emphasize Nachtmin. That might sound strange, but we do have some evidence for it. When King Tutankhamun died around 1334, I took power. When that happened, the courtier Nachtmin donated objects to the burial of Tutankhamun. On those objects, Nachtmin recorded his titles, like overseer of the troops. 
It is useful material, but nothing spectacular. And if this was all we had to record Nachtman, we probably wouldn't give him a second thought. But there is more. Once I came to power, Nachtman started getting promotions. The man's statues record new titles and jobs. For example, we see Nachtman as an Iri Pat, or hereditary prince, an Imira Mesha Wer, or great overseer of the troops, or great general. Imira Mesha in Nebtawi, the overseer of troops of the Lord of the Two Lands, and Khetemti Biti, the seal-bearer of the king. End quote. Apparently, Nachtmin's star ascended rapidly under King Ai, and he even had epithets or honorary titles describing his status in the court. According to these statues, Nachtmin was also known by the following, quote, The favourite of Horus, lord of the palace. The eyes of the king, the eyes of his Horus. The controller of nobles, or high dignitaries. Great of praises in the palace of the king, and one whom the king magnifies on account of his excellent wonders. End quote. If that sounded like an onslaught of propaganda and boasting, it is. But the information is there. Nachtman seems to become quite prominent under I. In fact, he becomes so prominent that he's one of the leading officials of the court. This was a significant rise, and it seems that Nachtman's promotion came at someone else's expense. Some of these titles suggest that Nachtman replaced another important man. That man was Hor M. Heb. Hor M. Heb had been the highest official under Tutankhamun. He had held power over the court and the government. He was incredibly influential. But in the reign of Ai, Horemheb fades from view a little bit. For a few years, we don't hear much about him. The reasons for this are unclear. Perhaps he was away from Egypt, leading campaigns on behalf of the pharaoh. Or perhaps he took a step back following Tutankhamun's death, biding his time, building his power. Or maybe we don't hear about Horemheb because King Ai replaced him. You see, when the general Nachtmin rose higher and took on all of those titles, he took some jobs away from Horemheb. Under Tutankhamun, Horemheb held dozens of titles. There is a great variety of them, but two are particularly important. Horemheb had been the great overseer of troops, the Emira Mesha Wer, and also the overseer of troops of the Lord of the Two Lands, the Imira Mesha in Nebtawi. But when King Ai came to power, Horemheb lost those titles temporarily, and when he did, the general Nachtmin took them for himself. It seems that King Ai might have fired Horemheb from certain positions, and given those jobs to Nachtmin. Why would he do that? We now come to the most important part of the discussion. I've talked about Nachtmin as a member of the court, how he donated gifts for Tutankhamun, and how he gained prominence under I. But we still haven't answered the crucial question. Who was Nachtmin, and why would I promote him? This next part is a major point of debate among historians. 
for the past hundred years, scholars have gone back and forth on certain issues. And the one thing they disagree over most is the question, who was Nakt Min and what was his relationship to I? Here is my best attempt to explain it. The records for Nakt Min are few, the Shabtis from Tutankhamun's tomb and a couple of statues that survive in pieces. On one of these statues, we have the hint of a title, Sa Nesut En. Roughly translated, this means the king's son of something. Apparently, Nachtmen had a title calling him the son of a king. But what was the full title, and which king does it refer to? This is part of the main debate. Scholars interpret it differently, and they have their disagreements. Broadly speaking, there seems to be a consensus that the title King's Son of probably references I, and links Nachtmen to King I as his son, grandson, or a male descendant. In other words, there is a decent chance that Nachtmen was the son or adopted son of I. If that is true, he might be King I's heir, the prince of Egypt during this time. Again, that's a point of debate, but on the current evidence, it seems reasonably likely. So Nachtmen gained power because King I took the throne. It seems that King I promoted his son, grandson, or nephew to a position of great power and respect. And as he did so, he sidelined other officials. Again, we can't be certain of any of that, but there is a strong chance that King I wielded his influence and replaced Horemheb with somebody closer to home. So Nachtmen benefited from I's patronage. Whatever their exact relationship, the young general gained power, prestige, fame, and status under I. His rise was sudden, and maybe it ruffled some feathers. But Nachtmen need not worry. He was the king's favourite, his heir apparent. King I had honoured him. Nachtmen enjoyed the pharaoh's protection. But then, I died. If Nachtmen was the son or relative of I, he was probably that king's heir. In the circumstances, Nachtmen seems the best candidate to become the new pharaoh. And yet, he did not. Following I's death, the next pharaoh would be Hor-em-Heb, the general, so prominent under Tutankhamun, but recently eclipsed under I. Hor-em-Heb came back, took the thrones, and became the new pharaoh. The big question is, how did that happen? And why did Nachtmen fail to inherit? Speaking frankly, we don't know. Following I's death, we enter a terribly vague period. There is a gap of at least a couple months where the information is blank. Before I started researching this period, I sort of assumed that Horemheb took over quickly, immediately following I's death. Nowadays, I'm not so sure. There is a decent chance that Nachtmen tried to take the throne, but failed. The king's son may have sought his inheritance, but Horemheb blocked him, replaced him, and became king instead. That is just a possibility, I'm not confident of it. But you have to wonder, was there a power struggle? Did these two men fight each other for the throne? The idea of a civil war between Nachtmen and Horemheb 
is not new. In the 1960s, a scholar named Shulman suggested a battle for the crown. The idea was tentative. Shulman was just running through various possibilities. And the concept hasn't really gained much traction. We just don't have any evidence for what exactly was happening. All we have are a couple of shattered statues and references to Nakt Min, who might be the king's son. That's not a lot to go on, and it certainly does not equal a civil war. The dramatic gap between the reign of Ai and the reign of Horemheb could easily be an illusion. Perhaps Nachtmin failed to take the throne because he died before King Ai. By the end of his reign, Ai was quite old, and it's entirely possible that his son or grandson predeceased him. That is a reasonable explanation. But it doesn't explain why Nachtmin's statues are so badly damaged. So let's hypothesize. If Nachtmin did fight against Horemheb, trying to claim power, then clearly Nachtmin lost. In that scenario, Horemheb may have destroyed Nachtmin's statues as a way of taking vengeance. Perhaps he wanted to ensure that Nachtmin, the king's son, was totally removed from the equation. Alternatively, if Nachtmin died before King Ai, then maybe Horemheb destroyed his statues for different reasons. Perhaps he was trying to assure his own legitimacy. Deleting King Ai's son may have been a way to ensure that Horemheb was recognized as the true pharaoh. So the destruction of Nachtmin's statues and his name could have different explanations. We have to keep that in mind. Nevertheless, this is a tantalizing question mark. Perhaps Nachtmin and Horemheb struggled for rule. Perhaps these overseers of troops, the Emirah Mesha, dispatched military forces to claim their rightful power. Perhaps soldiers, armed with spears and swords, battled in the palace. Or boats, packed with archers, skirmished on the river. Maybe, just maybe, there was blood in the valley. The death of King Ai and the ascendance of Horemheb is a terribly vague period. As you can tell, putting together a coherent story is almost impossible on the evidence we have. The tale of Nachtmin is probably just getting started. Egyptologists have known about Nachtmin for a hundred years, give or take, but it's only the past few decades that his role in society has become a bit clearer. Today, Nachtmin seems like a good bet to be the son, or at least heir, of King Ai. If that is accurate, then his story is a difficult affair. In theory, Nachtmin should have inherited power following Ai's death. And yet, he did not. The fall of Nachtmin was a small blip in Egypt's political history, but the tiny clues that he left behind might hint at a struggle for power. I will leave you with a text, a prayer, carved on one of Nachtmin's statues. Again, that statue is destroyed, but parts of it survive. And from these pieces, we get a lovely prayer, a hope for Nachtmin's eternal life. Quote, The four winds enter in near you, 
They are friends. What is said has been done for everybody without concern. I know how to guide them. Their names are consecrated in the temples. This is done by the royal scribe, the great general, Nakt Min, true of voice. And Nakt Min says, May you place for me the offerings for the Lord of Eternity, coming and going to my tomb. The gods of my city desire that I may drink the water from the lake every day, for the Ka, or spirit, of the Osiris, the royal scribe, the great general, Nakt Min, the true of voice. End quote. The statue is shattered, but the words survive. Perhaps somewhere, Nakt Min can hear them. History of Egypt podcast introduction. Take one. Episode 160. Succession Crisis. Take two. Episode 160. Succession Crisis. Take three. Episode 160. Succession Crisis. Damn it! Who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? For the last time, anything you put on that prompter, Burgundy will read. The corporate world is like the ocean. It's alluring, but it's also full of deadly creatures that can shred you to pieces. It becomes kind of like a Game of Thrones political arena where everyone's trying to murder you to get your job. My family doesn't come from corporate background, so I didn't have any sort of guidance in that. This is not your typical work podcast. Sometimes you need to be empathetic, and then there are times that you ask for input, but you don't really give a shit. <laughs> Listen to the Ambie Award-nominated podcast, Surfing Corporate. <laughs> Stretch opportunity. What is this, yoga class? Get out of here. <laughs>